The metaverse is emerging as the next big technology platform and promises to be the next frontier for human experiences on the internet. Into the Metaverse covers companies, technologies, and trends that are bringing these promises to life. Join creator and host Jonathan Ross Friedman, founder and CEO of SuperSocial, as he interviews the brilliant minds that are building, shaping, and investing in the Metaverse. Welcome to Into the Metaverse. I'm Jan, and we are here today again with Priya for our weekly rendezvous on all things the Metaverse. Hi, Priya. Hi, Jan. I love our weekly rendezvous. This is fantastic. And oh my gosh, what a week to break down. A hundred percent. It's been so many things going on. Apple definitely took over the agenda. I mean, no matter what channel or news or financial news or general news, Apple Vision Pro, Apple Vision Pro, and everyone and suddenly like a thousand, maybe even more commentators and experts on the space. But it's exciting. And I think it kind of puts a whole new vibe into metaverse, virtual worlds, AI, and everyone is so excited that Apple barely used the words AI and metaverse. Didn't use at all, actually, those words in right? their pitch. Right. So they talked about machine learning instead of artificial intelligence or AI, obviously very intentional. Um, I also don't remember hearing the word co-presence, which we thought we were going to hear. No co-presence. And I think what we saw a lot, which I think is very Apple, is that they don't really talk much about the tech. They talk about what the tech enables. So instead of saying, you know, you're going to be in this immersive environment with co-presence, for example, they say, you know, they, they talk about the features of the product and what it enables people to do. And I think that's definitely been like a big part of the way they communicate products, which it's so funny because every time you read the way they communicate the products, it's so clear. And then it's so difficult for everyone else to communicate like that when they present their product. And so it's like there's something about Apple that I don't know who is it over there, but they like go deep into like, how is this actually move the needle for someone to do something? And they find those words and they communicate those words. And it seems so simple to do, but they are maybe the only one and definitely the ones that are doing it the best. I've decided that they have a top level marketing person who's a former journalist who's like, okay, we're just going to take all this complex terminology and make it accessible for the masses. Like, what does this really do? So let's talk about that because one of the phrases that I heard this week that I thought was really funny was a commentator saying, I feel like all they did was take an Apple watch and slap it onto your forehead. Like there's not really so much that's new or different with this tech, with Vision Pro. As the days have come out, you know, past the announcement. What are you hearing about use cases for the Vision Pro? You know, first of all, there are a lot of people that I think rightfully have described the Vision Pro as Apple hearing and seeing everything that other companies have done over the last 10 years and basically presenting that and making it their own. Uh, if it's the HoloLens that was launched, you know, a decade ago, or if it's the Magic Leap that was launched and kind of defined for the first time, this category called spatial computing. Spatial computing was not something that Apple invented, but it, Apple will probably be remembered as the company that defined the category of spatial computing, just like they've done with smartphones. Smartphone existed before the iPhone, but Apple are the ones who popularized the notion of a smartphone because they've built a smartphone that a billion people want to use. Um, and, and I think that what is clear is, and you know, let's put aside... The two optimistic people who are like, oh my God, this is it. This is going to change everything. Okay. The, let's call them the, the Vision Pro maximalists. And let's put aside the Vision Pro minimalists, which are, I'm not seeing anything new. We've been there, done that. It's basically like a computer on your eyes and so on and so forth. Um, 
let's kind of look at the middle view, which is typically where life is, right? The truth is always somewhere in the middle. And I think the middle is what matters. The middle is the mainstream. It's not the optimist and it's not the pessimist. It's, it's the people that, that really just think about it from a very practical, pragmatic approach. So if I look at it from a practical, pragmatic approach, realistically, I think we're looking at a product that is definitely pushing the boundaries on the tech itself. Everything just looks more amazing than probably any other product that existed in the category. Now, I'm prefacing here with the fact that no one, very few people actually in the world have put it on. Um, so there's a lot of rumors. So we're going to have to wait and see. But at least it seems like from the presentation and for many people, of some people, there was a reporter on Wall Street Journal that I think shared their experience of using the product for about 30 minutes. Um, that seems to say that this is really the most incredible experience they felt with that type of device. However, you know, uh, I remember people who tried out the Magic Leap device um, a few years ago said, oh my God, I've never seen anything like that. So I think we need to be cautious with the differentiation between a demo and how things are actually going to play out. But let's assume it will be remarkable. There's no doubt that Apple has been pushing the boundaries, activating the interface with your fingers. No, there's nothing you need to hold, no cursor, no mouse, no devices. You can, it tracks your eyes. It, it understands your voice. I mean, eyesight, voice, gesture recognition. Very intuitive in that exactly. way. Exactly. That yeah. is really spatial computing, right? When people thought about spatial computing, it's, it's computing that, that it's, in the, it's in your area of, of presence and you don't need to touch anything. You don't need to do anything. And we talked about it last week in, in a sense where we were talking about you were moving from kind of a mouse, a point and click, to uh, multi-touch surfaces, and now we're moving to something that is in your presence, right? The next thing is going to be that it's located inside your brain, and we're all going to be a bunch of cybers. Neuralink, right? And we're, we're, we're making our way towards that. But I will say, just as a quick aside, like when you think about kind of the evolution of human history and where we are, we are going back to technologies, if you would say, that are more akin to how we would naturally interact with the world around us. Typing is a technology, writing is a technology. So to be able to eliminate some of those things and be able to just talk face to face, that is a very, very powerful sort of way of communicating and interacting with each other. Yeah. And I think that, look, obviously this is a technology that is still what I would, what I would define in the realm of like isolating us a bit. Yes, you can open kind of, they have the technology, the feature called eyesight where you can open your goggles and people can see, but I mean, they can see you, but you can't really, they can't co-experience what you're doing unless they have a device as well while being next to you, right? And then the question is how much that is together or separate. So so going back to like my point, no doubt they're pushing the boundaries on the tech. Uh, and it seems like this is going to be an experience that we've never seen before in this device category. The thing that I think a lot of people, myself included, feel a bit underwhelmed is kind of some of those core use cases where, you know, I mean, uh, and, and, and I will say why it's weird, but also why it's potentially smart from Apple to do so. It's all of those mundane things, watching TV on a large si- larger than ever size screen in front of you. It's going to be more amazing than ever before to watch TV, but you're still watching TV. One example. Another example is everything is going to be so easier to activate and work and operate and share PDF, like how many times they talked about this PDF thing? Like, sure, probably there's a lot of innovation there, including machine learning, but we are talking about a PDF. But here is the smart thing. TV, 
a very known behavior. PDF, a very known and popular thing we do at work all the time. I mean, think about it. How many PDF you're opening every week? A lot. How many PDF, PDFs you're interacting with? A lot. So there's, there's these consumer general use cases that they really called out watching a film, immerse. How many times you've seen the, in the presentation, someone sitting on a sofa in a living room watching a larger-than-life-size screen in front of them watching a movie, watching some immersive sports event. So all of that entertainment piece is a big use case for them. The other thing is the work, the, the work elements, working on PDF, office work, interacting with your coworkers when you're doing a presentation or something. And I think the reason why I think it's smart is because they've built a device and they're communicating it and their product marketing is all about the things that you already do today. You're just going to do it in a whole new way, in a way that is more fun, more immersive, which is TBD. And I think that's smart because you don't want to innovate on too many things. Building a whole new device that people need to get used to and showing, oh, here is like a whole 10 use cases that you maybe ne never thought about before. That's where I think they're going to lean also on developers to build that content. And Apple will focus on the core fundamentals that will motivate enough people to buy this V1 because there is obviously a V2, a V3, a V4, a V5 in the work with likely a roadmap for the next seven years, right? So I think we also need to keep in mind that this is Apple. They've worked on it for seven years, and now they have a whole roadmap for the next seven years. Right, so, right. Well, and, and a use case that I know you are very familiar with is gaming. And they have announced some partnerships in entertainment with Disney. Um, they also announced that they've got a partnership with Unity. So tell me a little bit about what that means. The Disney partnership was so classic for Apple, like to bring the largest, most popular, most um, admired entertainment company and to launch the Vision Pro with that entertainment company. And they've done it time and again, all the way to, you know, the iPod and bringing, you know, Bob Iger to the launch of the iPod and the iPad and the iPhone. Like you always see Bob Iger on Apple stages. And I think it's because they want to be relevant to everyone. And when you think about Disney, you think everyone. Everyone loves Disney. Everyone consumes Disney. So I think that's smart on a strategic level. We definitely have seen less on the gaming. I think they are doing integration with Unity, but that integration and the product marketing around it is more targeted at developers. What I haven't seen yet is use cases of how they envision gaming being immersed in. And that could be for a bunch of different reasons, anywhere from they didn't have the right partner, they didn't get on time to show something. Um, Dave Bazuki, the CEO of Roblox, was interviewed on CNBC this week and said he hasn't tried yet the Vision Pro, so he hasn't experimented. If he hasn't experimented, most likely his team hasn't yet experimented with the Vision Pro, which is interesting um, because it means that Apple is not really targeting yet people who are on right. the Roblox platform. But I have no doubt that over the next 12, 18 months, uh, maybe more, maybe within that range. I have no doubt that we will see all the biggest interactive entertainment platforms, uh, maybe a side of Epic that have a lot of issues with Apple, but definitely I envision Roblox um, and, and, and other social media platforms like Snapchat uh, who are, and Niantic who are going to come in and come in very strongly to make themselves relevant in this new ecosystem while understanding that it's still not a mainstream product. But it's really also about positioning and making sure that you can show what the edge of experiences could look like in this fully immersive, you know, spatial computer. 
Mm-hmm. I caught that CNBC interview as well, and it really struck me that Dave Bazuki was so bullish on this technology. And he even went as far as to say, you know, the best experience for Roblox is in VR, is in virtual reality. Another phrase that Apple did not use at their launch. But let's be honest, like at the end of the day, there is virtual reality that's happening there. Yeah, I mean, as a side note, it's going to be interesting to see if Apple can convince the world and the media as well to call Vision Pro a spatial computer versus a mixed reality device. Uh, I think you're you're never likely going to see mixed reality, virtual reality uh, on the product marketing sheet of their product. I think they're pretty clearly stating this is a spatial computer, right? Like we had a personal computer, we have have a mobile smartphone. They're referring to this product as a spatial computer. Uh, And I think they're going to continue with that communication and we'll see what happens. They've done it with the iPhone. They've done it with a bunch of different products. So we'll, we'll see. With regards to what Dave Bazuki said, look, when you think about virtual worlds in 3D, even today access, access through mobile phones, PC, game console, whatever, essentially you're accessing a virtual world in 3D through a 2D screen or monitor or gateway. There's no doubt that accessing virtual world in 3D and experiencing them with their sense of presence as an avatar in 3D device, obviously it, it's a step change of the experience. Um, and I think definitely people like Dave Bazuki believe that this is going to be an incredible form factor to experience worlds built on Roblox in an even greater sense of immersion and, and, and all of the sensory experiences around it. If it's voice uh, and later on even touch, if you have haptic gloves and accessories like that, which I'm sure other companies will build just like you have a Logitech webcam on top of a Mac computer, right? Like people will build a whole accessory market around the Vision Pro in the next 10 years, I believe. And so when Dave Bazuki says something like that, is it obvious that these devices are going to play a key part? Again, I don't think we're looking at a world where over the next five years, you'll have a billion people accessing virtual world gaming experiences through products like Vision Pro. But definitely over the next 10, 15, 20 years, we're potentially going to be in the billions of people as these devices become more seamless, more affordable, and the sensory experience become even more sort of endemic to our behavior on a daily basis. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's exactly right. What you're saying is that Apple is putting its stake in the ground. It's saying we're here, we're on V1, but we're here and we're playing in this field. And it's given a lot of credibility to the industry overall. A hundred percent. And I think that, you know, we talked about it last time in, in, in a fact where when you look at so much pessimism from the public markets around Meta's investments in, in the metaverse and VR and so on and so forth, you know, I think it is obvious that Apple is now setting a new standard, but also I think they kind of, turn the light on again on what is a world beyond smartphone looks like. And I think everyone understands that spatial computing is the next evolution of personal computing and computing products, right? Everyone understands that we're not going to be forever locked into these devices. These devices will morph and maybe they will morph all the way to just being around our eyes. Definitely, people are not going to start walking around the street with a Vision Pro. I mean, uh, as as cool as it is to look like you're snowboarding every day during the yeah. day, like it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I believe, and maybe this is kind of a ridiculously ridiculous prediction at this point, but I believe that 
spatial computing in its purest form, and I don't want to go all the way to Neuralink, but maybe something in between, is going to be when we wear some sort of lenses in our eyes that you're literally, it's inside of you, but you can still take it out like a, like a contact lens. I think until that happens or until it's very seamlessly integrated into some really nice looking, you know, stylistic glasses, even though my wife would probably say these are not stylistic glasses. I'm going to join you. There you go. go. You join me, right? We're ready. Even when when we put this type of accessory, there is a difference between this and between something that like a contact lens is just part of you. Um, That to me is like the long, long, longer term thing where it's really becoming completely seamless. But I, I would imagine that the next 10 to 15 years are going to be at how do you keep condensing and miniaturizing this spatial computer, putting the battery inside while making sure it's continuing to be smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, all the way to something that you really can wear half of, ta- half of the time during the day and when you go out and so on and so forth. You know it's going to be recording our dreams at night as well. We're already starting to see some of that technology come forward with electrodes on people's brains that interpret what the actual brain activity is showing, and they're able to extrapolate that and create visuals of what is happening in the brain during dreams. So, so much more to see. We are going to be seeing this evolution that we've seen before, like with mobile uh, phones from the huge suitcase down to something that is pocket-sized. Jan, I cannot wait to see what this next week holds for us. Likewise. Thank you, Priya. Good to see you again. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Into the Metaverse. We hope you learned a lot and explored new aspects of the metaverse. 